Hey everyone, uh, if you want to support the podcast, please like, rate, review, subscribe, do all that stuff, and uh, don't be lazy, dude. Fucking hit the like button, Jesus Christ, and uh, leave a quick review to say dope, whatever. You know, it gives the podcast a little more traction, and uh, I appreciate that. Um, This week is part two of the podcast that... Uh, started with uh, Greg and Daniel talking about our favorite hardcore seven inches. This week we are going to do part two, which is the 90s and also the first decade of the 2000s, whatever the fuck you call that. Um, And yeah, so this is those these two episodes have been a little different than anything else we've done. Um, Let me know if you like this stuff or if you think it's sorry. And uh, if you like it, we'll do some more of it. And if you think it's sorry, then I'll not do it again. This is, uh, you know, it's for for the people, man. You know, so let me know what you like and what you don't like, and that's all. And uh, now let's uh, jump on into that episode, part two of the greatest hardcore seven inches ever. I dove on her, and then she immediately grabbed me, and then I think her dude kind of like try to start pulling me down and was just like watch where you're fucking diving motherfucker like he said that to me and like, like I, I rolled back on stage and just like front flip right back, back him. into him like, good I mean I yeah I mean back in the day in the early 90s we, stage diving was I guess frowned upon yeah I was listening to that podcast I was like you guys are lame <laughs> <laughs> Lame. It was just it, it was a really different world. I know. It, it it's hard to explain. But well, I mean, we'll get to the 90s. We can discuss that right now. All right, 1990 to 1999, 7-inch only. Who wants to go first? Well, since uh you guys just both shit on uh <laughs> on Gorilla Biscuits, I am going to come out the gates firing with my, this would have been my number one, and it was, a, you remember when I said I was cheating? Mm-hmm. Unbroken and Fall on Proverb and Circa 77, seven inches. You know you bred me! Some other time, some other place, but the words never hit. What is hard? Now you're looking at me! Okay, is this counting as one or is this counting two? Counting as one. It, it was <clears throat> so I could so I could get everything in there. Okay, and now give me the lineage. These are the two seven inches that come out after Life, Love, Regret. Um, yes. The and Fall on Proverb actually, I believe, is... Yeah, it comes out while they're touring Life, Love, Regret. And it was recorded with... Uh, What's his name from Battery? Ken Olden mm-hmm. uh, in DC, and oh my god, it's fucking raw, and the songs are amazing. The layout that Justin did. Well, I've got a funny story about that too. Um, and then the Circa seventy seven seven inch came out basically as the the farewell. You know, after Unbroken had called it quits, and then the record came out. And I don't know. There's only four songs out of the 
two seven inches. Well, tell the story about the layout so we don't forget. Okay. Um, so I had just moved to America, and I was in uh, just started that band Swindle with um, you know my friends in PB, mm-hmm. and we were at the PB Kinkos doing a flyer for a Swindle show at like Cafe Mesopotamia or something, and Justin Pearson was there doing the layout for the seven inch. And I was like, oh, I like Unbroken. That's fucking cool. Like, and he, <laughs> we had mohawks and all kinds of stuff. And he just looks, looks at me like, who the fuck are you? You know, like, ugh. And then he goes, do you guys watch a lot of MTV? And we're like, <laughs> no. And he goes, because it looks like you do. <laughs> yes. And I was like, well, you're only punk if you play saxophone in the park, dude. Yeah. And I, but the thing is, you know, later on in life, we've become good friends, and he has apologized for that. Um, but at the time, I was like, the fucking audacity of someone. <laughs> like, I was giving you a compliment and interested in the record you're putting out, <laughs> and you just flamed us. Like, wow. But um, the seven inches, I, I mean, they are holy grail for me. Like, um, friends with members of the band and stuff, but even, you you know, it, and San Diego being a big part of why you kind of love the band and whatnot, but take all of that away from it. If I just heard those songs, I would be like, these are some of the best hardcore songs ever written. And they're a little bit of a right turn coming out of Life, Love, Regret as well. The pace. They take, yeah, more of a mid-tempo rock and roll Oh, they go well. The and and fall on proverb songs are straight ahead, fast punk, but through drop D tuning, you know, like so they're really raw, aggressive. The way it's recorded is raw, like a, um, you know, I think it was an eight track, possibly is what that seven inch is recorded on, and it just sounds so fucking good. And then the other. 7-inch that you're referring to is a bit more like rock, almost rock and roll or Rocket from the Crypt being somewhat of an influence, but it's still being so hard. Like Totally. Yeah, the end the career on the Big Mosh. Yeah. I mean, is this A Big Mosh that didn't sell out his friends. Is this on on either of your 90s lists? It is not, and I can tell you why, because when... I was diving into hardcore and just just eating up everything 80s. The first time I started listening to 90s hardcore, I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> because I was like, okay, everything's slow yeah. now. And then there's like this weird, like kind of quiety, whispery thing going on in parts. And I remember the first time I heard Unbroken and like, sorry, Rob, like I just did not like it. It just wasn't me. I was like, I want. Well, what did what was the, well, was what like, was I, your first dabbling? In, like, in what 90s? did you listen to the first? Okay, well, of Unbroken. I want to say was it that, Life Love Regret. No, I want to say the, the Circus Seventy Seven thing. And I, I thought the song was cool. The uh, yeah, I'm like gonna catch like so much flack when I fucking go into hard work not knowing the uh, was the abs absent absentee debate is the the Mosh song. I'm so glad you're here. Okay, <laughs> uh, it's the one that goes. Yeah, and, I was like, and, I was like, and this, this is probably echoing your sentiment. Uh, I don't care. Yeah, I was just like, oh, this is cool, but 
I guess I don't care. But no, growing I, up, like in Chula, wasn't that didn't wasn't that like said to you almost as like yeah, this, people, this is something you should yeah, love. People were like, "Yo, listen to this like you have to listen to it," you know. And I was having a hard time, which is '90s hardcore in general, because I was like, "Where's the fast stuff?" Yeah. You know? Well, the DNA of of how I perceive you. Like, 1980 is, like, in your... Or yeah, 1980s well, is in your soul, that's, that's, it seems. That's my, you know? that's my thing. Now, like... That I've, record, it just didn't sound enough like that DRI record, man. Yeah, no. <laughs> back to no, the No, no, but here's the thing. Like, now, like, I can come back and listen to it. And, like, dude, Razor is a fucking... That's just a fuck. That, li- that riff is literally a fucking Razor. Yeah, well, when we you come know? back for the LPs, you know... Uh, yeah, so it's just, like... You know, yeah, this is like sacrilege to to San Diego shit, but it's just a band that I've like never really given the time of day to, and it's also too where it's like I feel like you kind of just whatever. Nowadays, you can find out about anything and like really dive into something, but I feel like I just like miss that. So yeah, and I I know how it is when I mean like for example, a couple of the things that we've talked about in the eighties that. No, you're supposed to like this. And, you know, I'm told, like, you know, United Blood better be your fucking favorite record or you're not a real hardcore kid, you know? And it doesn't grab me as much as when my appreciation of, or when my deep dive coming out of being, like, a punk kid and, you know, being completely overtaken by hardcore is wild this is happening. Yeah, so absolutely. it is my DNA. Yeah, it's going to be, you were right there in the mix with all this stuff. So I, I'm, I'm listening to these records after hearing like, I don't know, Judge, New York Crew or, or, or diving into that kind of stuff. And then you hear this, people are like, you should like this, you should like this. I'm like, I'm just not feeling it. You know? I mean, yo, when I heard uh, like Firestorm for the first time, I was like, this sucks. <sighs> There's a Whoa. hot take for you, baby. I was like, I was like, this. You're, you're gonna hate my number two pick. Yeah, that, that's fine. <laughs> that's fine. Look, like here's the thing for me, and this is just stupid. This is this is a millennial ass opinion right now. Like, I love Destroy the Machines. Like that thing is so well put together, oh and like there's such a. It's Are we allowed machine. to flip the table yeah, flip on it, the? <laughs> Flip it, but when I when I heard like Firestorm for the first time, dude, I was like not impressed. Have you listened to the? Well, let's not get off the unbroken thing okay. first. Have you listened to the end fall on Proverb seven inch? No, the three one G seven inch. Nope. After this, when you have a chance, listen to those two songs and tell me what you think when we yeah, see no. each other next time. Because I I really do think you'll like those so much more than you like the Circus seventy seven. Like you'll, they'll appeal to your. Like what you like more, yeah. I feel. They're the fastest, most raw, uh, unbroken songs. Um, All right, hit with your one of yours, Greg. For my nineties, let me pull up my notes here. Oh, oh I mean, also tell us what you you said about the nineties. You were like, I was lost, just not being able to pick things out. Yo, almost. It's, it's a crazy, like it's a crazy decade for hardcore. I think like there's a lot of different shit going on. Like, lots of different styles. And like. I, I think if we acknowledge that, like, just as a, a, a conversation in general, that the 90s, the hugeness of hardcore fell away. 
like you know there were no more palace shows in LA that were bringing in 3,000 people yeah, or whatever yeah. no, it should drop you know so it, you found your enclaves in the 90s and you were able to separate hardcore into a strand like a strand based like genre whereas someone from this sect of hardcore was really I mean it was the 90s and we all had to go to all the shows because that's what was going on but you identified with one sect more than anything else and even though you would go to I don't know a black train jack show or something because <laughs> you're like well there's a show on tonight I'm gonna go you could pick and choose what was in your record collection a lot more than in the 80s or the things that made it out of the 80s for our generations of going oh my god this is essential this is essential this is essential the 90s it's more like taste based essentials definitely uh, if I if I had to pick my I, I would rate this like number one because I think it's just such a juggernaut is the burn self titled 7 inch we, sh- we should all have it right I don't oh Okay, I, I, have, I have it. Yeah, I. I mean, just from as a guitar dude, just yeah. like Gavin's. Dude, from the fucking style. first drum fill. Yeah. If like, your fucking asshole doesn't clinch a little bit when that kicks in, like this music is not for you. Shall be jugged did. <laughs> Yo, and then even like out of time where the, the last part is like yeah. like just yeah. just putting that kind of style I and mean, then you get it's such an it's an attention to detail that's yeah, like unheard of. Well their influence runs deep. Um even if it's not acknowledged by the people that were influenced by them. Do you know what I mean? Like someone may not realize that like this sound is kind of ground zero is the judge i mean is the burn record you know uh i mean from anyone from bane to but bane was very but no bane was very upfront like, they were we up front. Burn. Yeah, yeah. but i'm saying like from bane to uh god what's the band from long island that i'm thinking of uh the mini dreads <laughs> vod vod yeah. yeah things like that like the, the, they would never have existed without that do you know what i mean Without that kind of technicality there's on a, guitar. Yeah, there's like a weird, there's this noodle, noodly vibe. There's like jazz chords being thrown in. And then you're just getting some of and the effects, most like... like an effects, effects pedal. Yeah. Like, like masses of pedals. You're, you're getting just like absolute dance floor. But Snapcase, clear. would Snapcase exist without it? No. Yeah, like you get these just parts that are... Oh, just, so now Burn's not perfect anymore. <laughs> no, I, I think from, from start to finish... Godhead, out of time, just hearing it, Chaka's delivery on everything. Dude, just busting into like the spoken word, kind of just yeah. free, free this, flowing. This, might, this, is, yeah, this, is, this is very well maybe my favorite piece of hardcore music there is. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's that good. I mean, to start off with Shall Be Judged, just a fucking banger, and is sonically so aggressive, but so full sounding and I mean 
Chaka's vocals are insane. I'm I'm on board with like the message, you know. Yeah, like it's a it's a it's kind of a and he's, he, I mean, this is going back to it. Like you know, if you didn't see them, almost how cool and how like ill it was amplifies in your brain because you didn't see them at the time and it just you know i think i was one year late like and i don't know i don't I, know if they came out here or not i never saw them until like two or three years ago I yeah I that's what i'm talking about play, but that's that's a different thing california and then even another but fanzine pictures i'm just like yeah shaka looks like, fucking hard and cool and Absolutely. and you know like I don't know. And it, it's also just, even back then, I was just always thinking, like, how fucking rad it is to see people of color in hardcore bands, like, to continue on a, you know, trajectory, especially coming f- more so uh, just East Coast bands, because it was more of a legendary, like, weird thing, because you don't get. You don't have the peers at at the shows that are a little bit older than you telling you about, oh man, when they came through, blah blah blah, because they were they were a mystery thing to those guys as yeah. well. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and even uh, I think it might have came out in the early two thousands, and I don't know when it was recorded, but it was called Last Great Sea. That's another just. It got recorded right around the, the same time, right? the early nineties, and it yeah. got, I don't know why it took so long to get re released. It got re released like in. O two, something like that, but it was a nineties recording. EVR, Those songs right? are it got re released on EVR. No, it's a three song on Rev. I, I, on Rev, I Rev. love, I love that seven. So much part of this podcast is just us mouthing riffs, and then the last great riff is just like. Crazy. Yeah, that's it. But sonically, it doesn't stand up to the self-titled. The self-titled one sounds wild. Yeah, that one's a little more thin. Yeah, the the production on the little 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 muddy in some some cases. And what was the last thing? The self-titled no. burn is a perfect record. It's and they they nail it with a, a good slow song too. Well, it's, it's got everything. It also. I mean, I, I was joking about the shall be jugged, like the misspelling on the original pressing, but it, you know, the ghosts on the front cover and it, it's mysterious, it's yeah. cool, it's hard, it's it's everything, you know, that's, it's taking where Rev was with the youth crew and then it's adding, like, some level of musicianship and some level of yeah, it's right, new, a it's, new it's a, a right amount path. of sizzle yeah. well, and then path. and then you have all those bands that you were talking about that got influenced by them other than Bane and they only took the sizzle and they they didn't keep the fucking balls that's, of the good hardcore shit that's what I was gonna say and this is gonna sound I'm gonna sound stupid by saying this but like when things get artsy a lot of the bands and a lot of like the singers in the band just they're so up in their own ass you know and then they just kind of just like forget about hardcore or they kind of look at you like oh you want to mosh like you want to do that well like, that, oh, you, that you want aggression that like, was oh, a that's very so, that's so passe like how like you know i'm like when you hear that burn seven inch like there's a lot of thought like 
deep like it's got everything but like you said it just has that aggression it has that punch it still makes it hardcore well yeah, it's the, it's the first pathway into post hardcore hardcore yeah i don't get any you know like pretentious I mean? vibes when i listen to that it, seven inch where it, i'm like being excluded from it or like it's a natural progression and and this will lead us on to another pick that i have which that's the east coast version and then the west coast version that's the new kind of newer path is the inside out seven inch and, that and that's is, one that's of my, my number two You know, it. I mean, Victor Cara came from beyond yeah. out to the West, but did this record with the best musicians, like playing hardcore, the most intense vocalist. Yo, I love the feedback on that record. There's oh. just these weird, like, yeah, crazy sound. Let me tell you, there's a there's a guy named Kevin who's around, and he's he used to do the program Skate Shop, yeah. And, yeah. He's like an old skateboard journalist dude and has done skate companies and stuff. He's he's quite strange. Shout out to Program <laughs> Skate Shop though for for just letting all ages hardcore shows happen in their in their business. Uh, never I, I I I said Program. I didn't mean Program. Now Program is so in my head when it's referring. Oh okay. I mean Overload. Okay, we'll uh, still shout the, out to yeah, Program. Yeah, shout out to Program. Um, <laughs> Overload in, in Shout San out to Max Diego. Woodco for that uh, Retaliate Take Offense show last year. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but, so this guy's weird, right? And this is when I first, one of the f- first few years I was living in North Park back in either like 98, it, 97, 98. How much was then. rent for a studio apartment huh. back then? I wasn't even at a studio. I had a two-bedroom, two-bath for... for uh, it was me and Sam from the setup. And we shared that place. And it was 520 for a two-bedroom, two-bath around that time. Now, I can only imagine... And milk it's... was a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But this guy, Kevin, I saw him on the street over by Claire de Lune. And I'm like, what's up, man? He's like, oh, you live over there? And... He proceeded to walk past me, go all the way into my house, walk right into my bedroom, pull out the inside out seven inch, put it on, listen to side A, listen to side B, and then left. And I was like, that was really fucking weird, but respect. <laughs> you know, like that was so strange. And, but you know, if you're going to do it for a certain record, like respect, because it is, it's not, you what know. What needed to be said other than just. Yeah, I was just like, all right, see you later. (laughs) But, I mean, side A and side B, like, like the first song and the last, uh, I just can't even There's no dud. There's not a dud. There's not a dud, but there's also, I mean, just listen to those. Bass lines. Yeah. 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 I I just wonder if, I, I never thought about, Inside Out kind kind of being like the West Coast burn, but I like that you put it that way because I wonder if both those bands stretch it about as far as I can take. Like my palette is very straightforward hardcore, and they are on the outer boundaries of of what I like, or by or at least like what my favorite shit is. 
And I think that's a really interesting way to put it. Well, I think I think what they benefit from and, you know, what defines them is that they were following all these bands that had just done really great things and they had to go they had to go just they do something a little bit different but still be anchored in the genre and that's where it really develops, you know. You know and, when you're uh... an emotion was allowed in the nineties, emotion was up front in hardcore. Like yeah. not aggression, like opening your soul. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, you know when you're roasting a marshmallow, it's it's the best like right before it falls off the stick. You know, like you gotta, ones, right? you gotta get it right on the fire and, and be yeah. patient, right? And you, you want it right before it falls off the stick. And I wonder if that's what burning inside out are. Because, like, everyone right after, like, they just took it a little too far, ran a little too close and to the sun, just, and fucking fell off the stick into the fucking dirt. Yeah. And they and, added three more guitar pedals to the right. to the array, and, and yeah, I, I can see that, you know? And do you have anything else to add about Inside Out? Because they're your number two, you know? Oh, yeah. Um, Were they on your list, Zach? No. No. No, I think the just, '90s are the hardest for me. Yeah, there's there's like a million honorable mentions because some of the stuff that I thought was the '80s actually stretched to the '90s, and then a lot of stuff that I thought was early 2000s was in the '90s, and so it was yeah. like, oh, this is fucked. Yeah. So they didn't make it. Neither did uh, I. Love the second chain of strength seven inch. It didn't make it. Um, I love the bulldoze seven inch. It didn't make it. It was Ain't like nothing but a beat. <laughs> That was probably number six, because you talk about another uh, record that started. It started a style. It yeah. was like a blueprint band. Like no one had moshes that slow. One of Daniel's favorite styles of hardcore. <laughs> the beat, beat down. down well, man, that stuff is like you know, a lot of that. That I mean, slow mosh get... stuff is so big now, and like it's, you, get... it's not so big. It is like the thing. The majority of hardcore right now. Is that? I mean, trace it directly back to that bulldoze seven inch because no one else would do a breakdown that just goes dun 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 dun. I mean, it's Neanderthal at its, but it's most. so entertaining and like, no, like that CD, the final beatdown CD, which is a, their whole, the comp, which right? is everything. Yeah. It's got it's it's like a demo, the seven inch, and then the what is it like the East Coast hardest or whatever New York's hardest yeah. two songs or whatever they're on, dude. When we used to tour, like you would think like, oh, you start getting tired, like put on Raining Blood, right? But it's like you've listened to that fast music so much of your life that it's like I can listen, I can go to sleep to death metal. You know what I mean? But like the thing that would keep me up is putting on that fucking Bulldoze record and headbanging to it. Do you, do you think I can't see the influence of Bulldoze in <laughs> IC breaks? I mean, it is pretty upfront with some of the in control especially like hey that song the truth oh too, yeah i don't care about your feelings <laughs> i don't care i made you cry <laughs> i don't care i wasn't there for you 
in your trying time. Hey, this saw, is this is a lot. This is a lot of coverage for honorable hey, mention. I, I, I saw Kev one mosh in New Jersey during Trapped Under Ice, mm-hmm. and I was just like, dude, you could just see a man literally cause ripple effects yeah. of like rows. Well, when beans. when OMDB played our very first show in New Jersey, the other bands it was a it was a big fest we were there with bane and um god below was playing as well and stickman was moshing to them holy shit hey how wimpy do you feel when you when you're on like the east coast and you just play like like a dojo fest and then you go up there with like your fucking standard tuning and your fast parts and like you just witness like, and then you say, "Yo, let's get a circle pit going." Yeah, and they're just like, <laughs> "Fuck you," which I, which that's I your own fault. Would. Telling people what I've to do at a punk show. No, I, I, I'm joking about the circle pit thing, but it, I mean, yeah, I mean, especially my band compared to yours. I mean, we had some real poppy parts that were just looked at like, what the? But it was almost like we went. Like the poppier songs are the ones that hit with those people because they're like, oh yeah, this kind of like bouncing souls. Yeah, and like no, <laughs> it's not. Jumps in there. Jumps in there. All right, all right, all right. Anyways, those are the inside out. mentions. Those we we just did Zach's honorable mentions and well because the nineties are hard. Yeah, they yeah. are. The nineties are hard. Um, all right, let's get. Are you done with Inside Out? I'm done with Inside yeah. Out. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so another Blueprint band, and again the LP is better. But he breed under the knife. I have that on 1996. Do you have it? Okay. If you want to talk about a before and after band, it's Heapreed Satisfaction is Death of Desire. Literally. Oh, LPing it. I know, I know, I know. But this is the blueprint for the LP, and that record is so important. Literally, I feel like before that LP came out, hardcore was like the songs were written with like a build up intention. And it was like more about a sing along. And after that record, Every single hardcore song since has had a breakdown in it. Unless it's like a gimmick song. Like, here's the fast one where we don't do a breakdown because it's a gimmick. Because it's the fast song, guys. You know? That's <laughs> but, what, it's pretty much when you're writing songs. But, everyone talks with each other. Too. Yeah, but like literally, like it's, it's like every song after that record has a breakdown. And it wasn't like that before. Because even the, the bands that were heavier and faster, like you look at a Strife. You know, they're two LPs. They're not based around breakdowns. They're no, based no, around sing-alongs. You know, and like that they're youth crew that is played by kids who grew up on metal strife, yeah. kind of. You yeah. know, yeah. So anyway, Hebrew under the knife is well, so that, sick. That Shula show that was hate breed. It was Mile Band, Palpatine, hate breed, and Trial in a garage in Shula. I was like. Oh shit! This, you know, this band. At the time, I was like, "This is fucking tough guy shit." Yeah. Like, but but 
almost just like yeah like you say a blueprint was forming like, yeah because they were doing these like minute minute 20 songs that are like fast part breakdown done but and like they only did that formula on this 7 inch and then the LP but it's also rooted in hardcore that we just discussed mm-hmm. but run through their filter it wasn't like like a lot of the metallic hardcore that you know that I probably will discuss in a moment. No, it's if you miss but, if it's if you make straight ahead an obituary, you get that's, that. That's kind of a that's you know. A, that's a good. Comparison. And it's like perfect, and no one could ever do it again, including them. Under the knife, like I have, a, I have like a theory. If you if you just like take the song "Filth," where it's just like blast. Yeah. Like if you just cut all like the the drop like the heavy pit parts, mm-hmm. and you just cut all the fast parts of the song, because mm-hmm. also the way "Under the Knife" is recorded, like. If you just cut all the fast songs and put them all together, fast parts of the songs, like, that just sounds like crossed out. Yeah. Like, it sounds like yeah. super dirty, like a power violence recording. Yeah. Like, and, and you also, could show it to some kid with a butt flap and they'd be like, oh, this is sick. Right. Like, yeah. And also for, you know, the 90s, you got to give but when a shout you, out. <laughs> when you yeah. drag the knuckles and add the breakdown, then the kids who are like, oh, this is sick are like, ah. Hey, <laughs> I've, I've seen, I have seen people get converted after listening to a Hey Breathe thing because it's executed so fucking well. Yeah. Um, I was going to shout out to the Piccolo Snare because that's another like that's 90s, 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 trope. 90s thing that... But unbroken also. Yeah. Integrity The first also. E-Town record. <laughs> yep. Another one that we'd get on the LP, but... Well, I don't know. The E-Town fucked the world seven inch. I forgot about that one. I just turned my headphones to the side just to represent <laughs> oh, <yeah>. E-Town. <laughs> I got to see what year the fuck the world... Came out that might have to jump in, um, but yeah, Hey Breathe Under the Knife, um, fuck, they played Ventura Theater this one time, and it was a rare show with no barrier, and like there was a bunch of Nazis there, and it was shocker. It was Hey Breathe Poison the Well, and it might have been the Bane. I think it was Bane guys because I remember them like seeing a, a couple of them like laughing when I was stage diving. Because, like, it's pretty hilarious. But it's fucking Heat Breed, and they're playing songs off Under the Knife. Yeah. You know, anyway, there was, like, this well, big Well, they would old... do shows as being called Under the Knife when they would jump in on a show. Or oh, yeah. Doing something no, this on, a tour. More, on a more DIY level. This was their know? tour. And so, anyway, like, all the... Like, there's Nazi and security fight, and it's, like, during uh, Poison the Well. And who gives a shit? Like, we weren't watching them anyway, you know? And, uh... You were out back getting your hair dyed. No, nah, there's no ins and outs, but, uh... Anyway, so everyone's sketchy gets kicked out, and then it's just like, oh, this is fucking amazing. Like, we get to watch Hate Breed. There's 300 fucking people here, you know, or 500 or some shit, and, like, no barrier Ventura Theater. And so, like, of course I'm going to stage dive. It was, like, one of the greatest shows I was ever at This is definitely life. pre-Monster Energy drink-sponsored Hate Breed you're the, witnessing at this show. Or were, were they... That might have been... I can't remember because they they did the first LP and then they toured off it for like five years. Yeah. Because I only saw them, it was, yeah, I saw them at the showcase like right after the record came out. And then I saw them at the Ventura Theater Show. And I don't know when that would have been. If it was Poison the Well, it had to be like 02. They toured off Satisfaction for a million years, but half the tours they did on that were like metal. They, they, were, yeah. they were playing with... No, and there was like the festivals and, and stuff. opening, Yeah, opening smart, a lot of metal shows and stuff. It. No, it's great. And they're... I mean, dude, I the more people that hear that record, the better. 
I mean, that's one of the greatest pieces of music ever. So, anyway, that's tape read under the knife. That's three of my five are now. Three or five are done. Yeah. You want to shout out another one, Daniel? Yeah, I'm gonna do another cheat, okay. cheat beat. Um, Earth Crisis, All Out War, and Firestorm. That would be my number two for the 90s, like sneaking both of them in there. The Firestorm 7-inch, it is absolutely game-changing. And I'm telling you, as a young straight-edge kid, I don't think my backbone has ever been straighter and filled with more pride than the way that that band can, like, <laughs> weaponize your, you know, feelings towards society um, on a straight-edge level. I, I, I don't know. I'm not wording this correct enough, but the two 7-inches are, like, unbelievably different-sounding, yet are 100% the same band. Did you see they did that press? It's the LP with one on each side? Yeah, I, I was just listening to that in the build-up to this. Um, because... Brilliant idea. The great thing about All Out War is it's so 90s. The fact that like, there's... There's like these screamy parts and there's the... like They're all off time. Yeah. Everyone doing the backups are all coming in. Almost like it's like people rushing through and ripping at you and like singing along. It has a wildness but, to it. Oh yeah. It it yeah. And it starts with that like very almost like pretty guitar and then jing, 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 wee, dive bombs all over the place. But the lyrics to No Allegiance <laughs> as someone who is straight edge it is the fucking hardest fuck you to all sellout song all the of all time. Yeah. No, Earth Crisis is definitely a game changer for sure. And I've had, you know, being in Syracuse enough and then having good shows in Syracuse. And then shout outs to Reaper Records, which they were yeah. based out of Syracuse. Uh, and shout outs to Guav315, who has done a lot of like TO design work. And just, just talking about Syracuse in general, I mean, like, just looking at their flyers, looking at the shows that they used to do, and then seeing just old videos of just Syracuse just setting it off. I mean, it definitely all with that band like leading the charge. Oh yeah, and is 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 definitely it's it's a total game changer. I really don't think, and this may be naive, but I really don't think it is. I don't think veganism would be where it is across America without that band. Straight up. And we're, we're talking just veganism in general. in general. In general. I'm talking about it seeping into other cultures coming out of this culture and it just going, running so deep. Um, it, I mean, they're, they're the, you know... The well, what was pushing veganism through young 
people in the 90s other than earth crisis yeah I mean, i'm or, sure some other vegan or even correct me even even people being vegan in spite of earth crisis you know a lot of people because the 90s the one thing that you can guarantee is that you know pre-internet it was all one giant game of telephone so you heard one rumor about earth crisis and then it 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 amplified to the next person oh, who yeah. spoke about it and then it amplified to the next person like they would come to town and like if you had cheese on your sandwich they'd fucking smash you or something but then you see them and you're like these are all skinny little you know guys but you still i mean i was in all of them at the california takeover and and the shows that they would play in san diego i was just like you know don and i would go into jamba juice and put our name in as a carl crisis because we were like oh yeah this is so healthy <laughs> it's just like our <laughs> crisis but um the All Out War 7-inch, every single song on it is fantastic. The In the build-up to this, I was reading the essay about the, the use of the word fetus in the thing, which is ridiculous, even yeah, to this day. You're definitely not going to... If you're a hardcore band and nowadays, you better not be writing the word fetus in yeah. any of your releases. You be- I don't understand... It, so they had a song that was about animal rights or about unnecessary kill death, okay. I suppose. Like, don't use animals for laboratories, don't use animals for food, blah, blah, blah. And they had a line, which wasn't even written by Carl from Earth Grace. It was written by this guy, Shane Dungey. But they had a, a line in it that goes, uh, for the for the fetus... For the rat, you know, um, I'm butchering the line right now. But basically, fetus was in there as like almost saying, "Don't use abortion as a form of birth control." People thought they were flirting with with pro pro life, yeah. yeah. Which hardline was pro life, yeah. you know. So it was they were on the line, and it was so they had to have an essay in the lyrics about it. And even the essay is is dumb. Like it's not dumb; it's saying their viewpoint. But I think it's dumb to suggest you know it's gotta step up your pullout game (laughs) yes shout out to pull out um but then you move from that seven inch which is a lot more organic and and you know you were saying like looking at those shows in syracuse and looking back with the beauty of the internet now we can look back and look at those and like the ben reed era of earth crisis guys fucking you know he's the first person to do the raise the guitar over your head, play it and dive into the crowd and all of that. And yeah, just unbelievable. And then uh, you go to Firestorm and the songs on that seven, it's the way that Firestorm goes into Forging the Flames. And then on the other side, you've got what may be the most... The most perfect, like, lyrical song, Unseen Holocaust, which is about... You know, the way that Manifest Destiny and white people butchered America. and Yeah, it's the best fucking song. Yeah, and then... They use it as an allegory to talk about the way things are happening in the Amazon and that, like, the tribes are being wiped out there. And holy shit. No, it's loaded. It's loaded. Yeah. And then 
just going back to the edge again, I don't think a one-two punch has ever hit harder than Firestorm into Forge in the Flames. And, I mean, give me that really big fat marker right now. I'm going to put those <laughs> those X's that have, like, just two tiny little V's of, of uh, skin showing. How big are your jeans in this scenario, too? They're big. They're you, could, you could fit... I mean, I could smuggle a tribe out of the Amazon in my jeans. Yeah, but it's also oh, it's also ninety three in in right ninety three ish, and unrelated to hardcore jeans are big. Yeah, yeah, and small wheels, big jeans in skateboarding, you know. Yeah, this kind of just goes back to my whole nineties hardcore thing when I was like, like I obviously it's no no surprise. Like I just love. The, the decade of the 80s as far as being a guitar player goes. I mean, like, the shit that made me want to play guitar is, is the Transformers movie soundtrack. Like, hearing those songs. So already, like, I love, we like, the screeching, Stan Bush, screeching guitars. Good record. And, you know, and then just your 80s hardcore, like, it, it's definitely got more, like, a beat, not necessarily a beat. Like there's plenty of like hard stuff, and it's fast. Like I like like the energy, like speed so if, of it. If, but then when I hear like when I first like start jumping into nice hardcore, I'm like, whoa, everything is super loaded, like message orientated. And when I was like young, you know, I'm in like high school, and I'm listening to this stuff for the first time. Like I I have a way better appreciation for it now. But when I first start just diving fucking headfirst into hardcore, and you're just like. Trying to listen to everything. Like, everyone's telling you, listen to Unbroken. Listen to Stalag 13, like, which is a fucking jump right there. You know, and then... That's what you should do. Which is what, what you should do, but I was just gravitating. And also being part of the scene in Chula Vista where it's just like, you have people that are not fucking straight edge at all, but they're your friends, you know, and you're all in it together. And it's just, like, kind of like a bigger community thing. So some of this stuff seemed, like, really exclusive, a little too... Proovies, as they used to say, and I just I don't know, kind of like rub me off the wrong way. I, I, that makes any bit of sense. No, it does. I mean, you almost want to be conscious, especially when you, you know, have many friends who aren't straight edge. Be conscious of like their feelings, and maybe that will stop the full appreciation for how blatantly straight edge and almost like line drawn in the sand style lyrics these kind of things are but to me it's always i mean i'm gonna be straight edge forever and i i love getting these feelings of empowerment from songs that just it's almost like you know the first three cups of coffee in the morning where i'm like (laughs) and these songs mean that to me but i know how divisive this band is still looked at over history, which, which is weird because, and for for some reason though, when I when I heard like destroy the machines, like I liked it because there's like a lot of variety in it. Like you're hearing it, like you definitely tell that they, these dudes were listening to like Chaos AD era, like Sepultura shit, like a lot of like early '90s death metal kind of stuff, uh, and back to just being guitar player nerd shit when I, when I was hearing that and like the beats like a lot of groove a lot of a lot of interesting like musicianship like I still like I fucking love that record and also to uh, Discipline off of Destroy the Machines there's like 
Can we move on to the floor punch seven inch? Which is a great way to segue. Yeah, because it's the change. It's the seat. It's the it's the reclamation from this. Yeah, I mean, Earth Crisis are the figurehead of this kind of metallic hardcore of the '90s for a reason. Because a they did it best. They put on amazing shows, and they were steadfast in. I mean, that's the best thing you can ever say about. Not the best thing, but. One thing that is amazing about a vegan straight edge band that you can look at them thirty years later and say they're all still vegan straight edge. Like that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. huge props to that. Huge yeah. props. Um, but then, yeah, this is on my list: Floor Punch, Division One Champs. That's right. There's are they the best of this genre? That comeback mid nineties, late nineties. 97. Straight edge Let's hardcore. call it. I mean, 97 to me has. I mean, it's burned in my mind as a year because you had your floor punch, you had your rain on the parade, you had your. In my eyes, you had your 10 yard fight, you had all of these bands that were coming back and being like, yeah, I mean, we've all had fun going to these shows, but we want to bring Revelation back. This is 96, though, so this is before any of those bands started fucking with LPs. Yeah, no, so, no, definitely. I mean, but I'm saying this sea of change. Yes. There's a, there's one band that you consider through the 90s that kept this kind of sound that we're about to discuss going, but they really didn't if you listen to them because they really was mouthpiece. They did it in look, but not in sound. Well, because they have the worst drummer on earth. <laughs> well, there's <laughs> um, <laughs> hot takes galore. In this but but you know what I'm saying, like the, I mean, the, the youth crew vibe was. I never understood that how people would be like mouthpiece sounds like Chain of Strength, and it's like no, really not. because Chris Bratton is the greatest drummer ever, and yeah, and I don't know what's happening here on your record, dude. <laughs> I think it's the drum sound from Saint Anger before it happened. <laughs> but <laughs> I mean, no disrespect to mouthpiece, like. I like the Dag Nasty sounding seven inch way the last better one. than I like yeah. Yeah. Than I like any of the other stuff. But anyway, back to Floor Punch. The samples on the seven inch, the way it looked, the the look I mean Floor Punch came out right when hardware fanzine came mm-hmm. out, right when um you know <laughs> Rain on the Parade body bag. Yes. Like all of these things were just basically saying Fuck you to metal, and it was the backlash to the Earth Crisis stuff. Yeah, and the Victory Record sound. Yeah, you know, and and it's funny because we like all of it. Yeah, you know, I like all of it, but it was yep. this is something. Is the four punch seven inch it's, on it's yours? It's not on my seven inch. Um, none of the Youth Crew Revival stuff is is kind of on my on my list, but I will say though that Floor Punch definitely I think has aged. Out of all of, all of, all of those bands, they have aged the best. And they're, they're catchy. Yeah, those those songs are just like, they're just written for just like absolute crowd participation. Like, but they're they're mean. They're mean too. Yeah, like they're, they're really mean. Yeah, like they 
it's just that perfect balance where it's like it's fast. Well, if you talk to those guys back then, yeah. it was like they didn't like a lot of the contemporary stuff, yeah. even the contemporary comeback stuff. It was like all they wanted to do is listen to straight ahead and yeah, like break down. Yeah, you know, so it makes it makes sense. But floor punch sounds like it's very rev heavy too. Sure, yeah, um, but there's a, is there a huge. Uh, New York, like late '80s demo, New York hardcore demo influence. There's a little oh, bit yeah, more of sure. like the the igno in it, right? Like, yeah, yeah. It's not. I, super I'm saying well they, they take their vibe more from what these bands that they're talking about, like Chromex. You know, they take their vibe from that, but they also say we're fucking straight edge, and then on top of it, they channel sounding like. You know, chain as well as sounding like breakdown. You know, they they yeah. mold those styles really well. I like the Tinder Fight Seven Inch a lot too. It didn't make my, my yeah. List. It didn't make mine either. But at the time, I absolutely loved it, and I don't know if it just dropped off. It's good. I li- I listened to it like probably two weeks ago, and I still like it. I think but maybe just the fact that it's songs about f- football. Well, as an allegory, it's a little more you know. football heavy on the demo. Although the, yeah. you know, what, uh, straight what, edge brothers that? in the pit, pit together. Pit of equality, pit of equality pit of is the fucking sickest song. And, yeah, and that's why, like, when I was in high school, like, like if someone was like, "Who's better, Ten Yard Fight or Earth Crisis?" I would have been like, "Oh, Ten Yard Fight," like instantly. Like I would have said that without any hesitation. You know? Yeah, I, I mean, not to me. But I I loved both bands. Like, yeah, I love both. How about what's you your favorite off. of the of the Euro Straight Edge comeback bands? Um, probably Sportswear. The first seven inch. Yeah, I love both. Both seven inches. Probably Sportswear. But, Keep it together. But I, I mean, Eyeball was. Sick. But it runs deep is sick too, and yeah. then uh, and fifty nine times the pain on the more on the sick of it all style. Okay, you know. But yeah, that Eyeball. That seven inch, that song talking straight. Ooh, that's fucking because crazy. Because that's one thing the the Euros would do so well is like when you can only study something in its examples and not necessarily be participating in it. You're really gonna craft the the best bootleg of it, you yeah. know, and really like live it. But I mean down to the sneaker down you know when you're living your life based on liner notes and fanzine pictures oh yeah they're like you're studying yeah the keep it together that's another like almost would have made my list um and i love the main strike lp maybe that'll make my list for uh the 90s i have a i can segue into a 90s euro seven inch it's on your list just it's on my list okay uh and it's just right at the end, 99, it's going to be True Blue, The Ice. I thought we were on 2000 when I said justice. Yeah. My bad. The main, the main, no, no, I think shout out, you know, I'm, I'm biased. Well, cause that's another, Patrick Kitzel from Reaper. Well, it's, it's another, it's a tie in. It's on the same record label as all the bands I was just talking about. Yeah. And it's on it's, crucial response. Yeah, age of quarrel worship. But just, 
just for for them to be doing that style at the time and it's just it's bringing back what i call like ice riffs you know just that kind of like first of all the production on that seven inch is so fucking killer it's got this like weird reverse piano like swell that kicks in you look at the artwork, it's like a vampire dude yeah. on the cover. I don't even know if I realized that that was a 7-inch. I thought it was yeah, a CD. Yeah, no. Because yeah. I think I just had it as a CD. And oh, it's, it's got a really cool layout. It's it, got it just, really nice paper. And, it, and it, that goes back to what you were saying as far as like if you're a European hardcore dude. I mean, those guys are like analyzing and studying and listening to all these things. So just for a band to, to bring back this kind of like late 80s, early 90s sounding New York hardcore vibe where it's like you got a lot of bad brains. Like we're talking like later bad brains, not like yeah early eighties black dogs. Yeah, we're talking we're talking like quickness era yeah. style shit. So well, to, to take some like the the grooves and the stomps from that and like Crow Mag style riffs, just just the, and we're talking like later like Best Wishes era Crow Mag, not not necessarily H of Coral stuff, and just to kind of like package that together. Like that's why I, like I just gotta give it. On my on my number five, like, and it still sounds like really crisp and clear production, and I think and it's, it's great. Mean. Yeah, going back mean, to the floor point. It, yeah, I mean, Kitzel, Kitzel is the most straight up person ever. If he doesn't like you, he's not going to be nice to you. If he likes you, he's going to be nice to you. Um, and it comes across in in those songs. It's like fuck you. Even though you know he did Spawn and whatnot, that was very metallic based it was kind of like the groundswell of the the backlash against metal was like okay let's tap into the the real dna of what dna uh name drop <laughs> now the real dna of what brought us here for the first place yeah and know? even on that true blue seven inch like those dudes could fucking play like you're hearing like little like little guitar leads being thrown in there now, like little runs being thrown the, in there. These are I, things that I you think, notice a lot yeah, more than I do which because I think you're a player. Probably you being know? in the in the '90s, maybe that would have been like unspoken to do. Like, hey, maybe you should throw in like a quick little type lead and a hardcore song. So, yeah, I think I think and maybe wasn't appreciated at the time, but then picked up. And, and from my generation, like later on, as like an influential piece of wax, it's a really great layout yeah. as well. Yeah, it's just so that's that's why it's on my uh, five. And I think I got one more. Do your last one. My last one, and I think uh, I don't know if it's on yours, but it's a uh, District Nine School Hard Knocks. It's another one. It's another bubble one. 94. And once again, you probably, you know, definitely a regional band. But then if you watch the New York hardcore documentary and they're interviewing they're legend- these dudes. They're legendary because of that. Yeah. And then and more then so. You see Payback. The, yeah. The time is, is now. Fun. Everyone knows it, right? Yeah. You've you done some shit to me that I just can't allow because now I know shit. you're full of shit. I Did also know that you're a fucking hypocrite. You got we two got faces, and, and they, they both lie. Then, then you ask, ask why can't, can't you qualify, qualify to join, join the, the crew? crew? But yo, that shit is through. Because now I'm in your face, so, so what, what the, the fuck, fuck you gonna, gonna do? Yo, payback is all fair. Hey, 
even that, like, just just musically adventurous. Like, dudes Dude. can play. Yes. So much flavor yes. back in there. Yes. Uh, has not has not been replicated. No. Ever. Because but, you have to just be those types of dudes. You have to be like the, it's, you, you have, have to be yeah. importing, exporting venomous animals yeah, to get that bass out. You have to. You, it's, no, it's just like you have to. Yeah, you have to be the right type of psycho with the right type of like gift, and then the right time to be oh, like yeah. surrounded in an environment that you can like thrive. What makes District Nine probably so District Nine more than anything is just the way he describes. I mean, for the majority, most of them, I think the entire band is, like, PR dudes. Maybe. I don't want to, yeah. you know, but I, I think so. <clears throat> but they're also growing up liking what their contemporaries are like. Oh, you liking that white boy shit? Like, fuck that. And then they're, you know, counterculture in, within their own culture you know that story he talks about the hail satan jacket and his mom's like <laughs> yeah, he sees a homeless dude wearing it later <laughs> like everything about it like it formulates why that band has such a groove do you know what i mean but they're definitely not on my top but, five but it, it was very close no, to I my think, top five and, and yeah, because it's a perfect it's, dude they <laughs> they perfect. like it's it's easy to like laugh it off when you are familiar with that documentary but they really do put attention to detail, like yeah, how we were talking about with like the burn seven inch. Like they're gonna go that extra little way to like do the little extra sizzle on the song, and then lyrically, the guy's fucking Puerto brilliant. R- no, Puerto Rican Mike, back to your yeah. PR dude's comment. Like, yeah, and even the song "Think About It" about just like suicide. Yeah, and just like Beyond Red Tape. Yo, you know, crafting like you yeah. hear. He's telling songs, a story. You know, especially Beyond Red Tape, where it's like, what about yeah. his mother? Yes. Like, just, these super like detailed like you you vision them in your head. Yes. And it's just tight plane, like you're playing fat, like especially payback, and then yeah. you're just like you're going fast as hell to just a complete Yep. Seamless jazz outro. And, but it, and that's the thing, transitions like when you and back to my whole thing, like when you're playing fast and you're able to transition like from a just from like drop of a dime, like boom, now you're in like a different tempo and you make it work. And you're gonna have a dude pretty much rap, but not be like, like when you hear it, it's not, it doesn't sound dated or crazy. Just me and you, kids. So what you gonna do when my nine double ember straight down on you? Cause I ridiculous. It's <laughs> the kind of thing that you would think Fucking is ridiculous, brilliant. but the groove, the the fact that it is a very different hardcore scene to what. We have experienced because allows no one it to is pretending. Yeah, no, exactly. It's, exactly. No it's, one is trying to be something that they're not. No, in it's Absolutely. so infectious and so catchy and so raw and real. But that's that's why those records, you know, and, and you know, we can touch on LPs and stuff like at another time. But why those things that would be so pathetic if someone around here was saying something like that is the authenticity is it it makes it adds 25 percent to the song's quality just because it's real the same when you can look through a rap song of someone who's a pretender and someone who you know is real like the you could have the best crafted song in the world but if it 
if it's a lie, yeah, it means nothing. Is the '90s maybe the last decade of just actual regional sounds? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, well, I mean, post. Well, yeah, then it would be it would be it would be the last. I mean, everything would change with high speed internet, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, I can, yeah, I, I can. I mean, the outburst record was not liked on this coast until well, the internet. I understand. Yeah. Um. Really, I mean, I, there are people who liked it, of course, but I, I'm I'm saying in general. Yeah, you had to be an in the know, complete. You're digging, yeah. writing letters to people, which to me is like, whoa. Now I'll drop many suckers. 1992. <laughs> The recording yeah. just can't have it on the list for me. You're fucking crazy because the first, it, the first yeah. half, the first side is the start of "Set It Off." It's like the song is switching. Is right? yeah, cross face never had it. Um, but just the no longer you wear the crown. The, the recording and the way his he's in between a vocal style. On that record, to their make, their band to is make. in between a sound right there. Yeah, yeah. And so it's like they're coming out of, um, ball of destruction. Yes, and like taking on more of like the killing time sound. Yeah, and they're on their way. They're two years away from making the greatest hardcore album of all time, you know. And like there it is. It's like yeah, you want to talk about a blue? I'm album. I'm listening to like the demo of the Apex. Yep. So it's it's making my top five. Yeah, I, I'm it just to me as someone who loves that band as well. It's the least visited. Yeah, you know, official release. Mm-hmm. If all destruction um, definitely overshadows it because of the, kind of like the novelty factor of it's like oh it's Young Freddie and Rogers playing bass. It's yeah, an and, AF side and the way it, it it goes from song to song to song to song. Yeah. Like it's se- <laughs> the, yeah, it sequences perfectly. But you know. That being said, like when we talk about Seven Inches and the LP just comes out and does a fabulous moolah off the top rope onto it, set it off, just destroys this. Still you six know. songs of but, great Madball yeah. in '92. That's like insane, and it's not now. The artwork it's not a side is amazing. Anymore. Yes, it's hard as fuck. The artwork is amazing. The everything about it. I mean, I have it. I love it. I just. If I'm going to reach for a record, it's, it's not going to be the one. And it is because, it, like you say, or like we just kind of agreed on, it is the formulation of something, and it's not quite there yet. So something in it sticks with me a little bit to be like, it's it's not there yet. Yeah. You know? uh, did, did Don Fury have a hand in that, in dropping many suckers? You'd have to go to Discogs for that yeah, information. In linear notes, yeah. Because, I mean, he definitely... It's they brought him into Normandy sound yeah. to do set it off. So it's like you get that mix of uh, you know like that raw like you have that ridiculous production values of Normandy sound, mm-hmm. and then you get the you know Don Fury. It's like a good mesh. Yeah, which they got it right because if you like being able to do a tour with them on the on the set it off anniversary thing would which. Top hashtag off. bragging. Hashtag bragging and hashtag name dropping like a <laughs> motherfucker right now. But being able to 
pick Matt Henderson's brain and him being also one of just the fucking coolest human beings ever. Top top five hardcore guitar player. Absolutely. Definitely. Oh, number one songwriter. Yeah, and just for him to because I would ask him like, okay, you know, AF you do you do one voice, right? Yeah. And which is I hold that one dear to my heart. Absolutely. But then it doesn't seem to like break through and then they he just tells me like, yeah, you know, like I sat down Okay, I'm looking at line arrows. Okay, they did it off here. So, for him to be like, and uh, you know, one voice doesn't really go anywhere. And then he's just like, we just kind of like, let's strip it all down and let's just, and his words, like, just make it Neanderthal, you yeah. know? And not even like palm you and not like, down, bam, down. You're just like, he's just hitting the string. Yes. And it's just like, Whoa, but yeah. just so rhythmic. Yeah. You know, and just yeah. So I, I get I absolutely get why it's on your and your top five seven inches. Yeah. All right. Um Daniel, how many more you got? You're tapped? I'm tapped. Daniel, you got another? Yeah, I've got I've got one more and I oh God, I don't know which to go with. Okay, well my I'm cheating also. Okay. Um I had to go ignite. Um, because they were such an important band for me in the 90s. And uh, I couldn't decide where to go because, again, they're like an LP band. Yeah, Call Like, Call My Brothers is my favorite. But the Where They Talk 7-inch with the... Uh, Original singer? No, it's the second no. singer. Um, Joe Nelson? No, Joe Nelson was the first singer. Randy? Oh, Randy, yeah. He played right. bass for Against the Wall. Yes. And then sang, yeah. um, sang one for Ignite, but it had it has that song. Oh, he uh, sang at Gilman. He did the Uniform Choice cover with GB and fucking destroyed it. Is there an original member in Ignite now? Bass player, just the bass player. Okay. Yeah, but Zoli, Zoli, Zoli was in very early. No, that's the drummer. No, Casey it, Casey Jones is the drummer. Who's he, the bass player then? Uh, Brett something. Oh, Brett. Yeah, and uh, Joe. Uh, Joe from Unity was the guitar player. Yeah, yeah. And Casey yeah. Jones is like the, the drummer of yeah. what? Uh, Dan O'Mahony's band, right? No, for Fucking now. just f- kind of good at history over here and kind of fucking pathetic. <laughs> <laughs> but no, um, Ignite Where They Talk, it's very like, I don't know. It, it's got one of the greatest hardcore songs on it ever. Um, I would do for you, for you this time. I swear I would do for you. Whatever. I love it. And then also uh, they did the In My Time 7-inch. And that has some of the songs from uh, Call My Brothers on it. In my time, I've been a lot away. I just want to give a shout out to a Hungarian boy named Janos right about now. He was confined to a wheelchair. Yeah, but that's uh, that's on a 12-inch EP again. Yes. Was that the... Okay, because we... Past Our Means. Past Our Means. Yeah, we did that tour with them, and then he would always bring up some story. Did that, did that kid, like, OD... Oh, I don't know. Oh no, that's another. That's no, like that's another. another story. Th- this one is like uh, he does a, a a breathy spoken word intro. Like a Hungarian boy named Janos, she 
had no. No, nah, he does it on the breakdown. Is he, it? He tells the story on the breakdown. Oh, okay. Yeah. He goes. He had no control over his limbs. He had. It was basically the kids. It's from a motivational Wong. story. The yeah. kids like fucked up in a <laughs> wheelchair. Fine, Whatever, dude. Anyway, I and fucking no love respect to Yano. I love Ignite and like and. <laughs> Dude, Yano's a hard motherfucker. He didn't come and punch you in the I'm dick. I'm hearing nothing but disrespect. Just Fuck pouring a, through that dude. microphone. There's not even like a filter on that microphone. <laughs> so we're just getting absolute disrespect. I know, disrespect it's just, it's just dirtying up my fucking Hungarian gear. Hungarian boy. He, Shame. He's not I, young anymore if he was getting shouted out on a, on a record in 96. Hey, is this yeah, some like UK-Hungarian thing? No, no. It's more uh, when Ignite got... <laughs> Basically, when Zoli went on to sing for Pennywise and the Misfits, it was a point... Jack, Jack of all trades? Or it was a point of... When we would talk about Ignite, it was just a funny... It's a very 90s thing, that part. Do you know what I mean? Like, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't happen now. So when you think about that, it's nothing to do with necessarily Janos. It's more the way that it's delivered that it just, it makes me laugh. I'm sorry. Zoli, if, uh, if you're listening to this, please hit me up about doing those songs for D. Snyder. <laughs> if you're listening to this, Zoli, uh, put on your Phantom of the Opera Misfits makeup and then kick my ass because you probably you definitely can kick my hey, ass he has an amazing set of pipes like, oh without a doubt you with, hear them sound check, dude like, this is one of the call my brothers yeah, like we amazing set of pipes this is one of the greatest bands i ever saw in my life yeah. with that like that lineup oh they were dialed and, yeah. in i mean no i mean you wouldn't have seen them greg like when oh, they okay, had no, I thought you were just no like the when it was like casey jones on drums and brent on bass He's and right. jody foster on guitar and they were a four-piece hardcore band and then yeah you have like zoli with the fucking pipes it's just like it's like you're watching like the modern good uniform 90s choice. version of uniform choice yeah. and it's like it's ridiculous it's i mean whatever there's no, no way there's no way to describe it because it doesn't make fucking sense anymore you know i mean if you talk about another band that like hung around and i actually enjoy all the new stuff but it's like there's no real connection between what Ignite was in like 96, 97 to what they are now. Yeah. Even OMGB played with them in like 2002 at the El Rey. And I, at that point, I think they, in our like hardcore estimation, had kind of jumped the shark a bit, you know? And kids from the Bay Area came down in droves to see Ignite. And I was like, what's wrong with you guys? But then, and then Ignite played and I was like, yeah, still, this still sounds sick. Live. You were able to put aside how you felt about the Hungarian boy. <laughs> no, I was able to put aside how cheesy I thought they were. Oh, okay. Uh, because they still, you know, there's, there's people that operate within hardcore that when you see that they treat it unbelievably professional it kind of sours you on it a bit you know where you think in a diy world when it when it's all about guest lists and writers and things like that but you know if you're exactly. i've never done it as a i've never done it as where i want to live off a band when when ignite and I probably wouldn't be allowed to we're Late 90s Ignite, were they already hitting Europe a lot at that point? Oh, yeah. I mean, Ignite probably hit Europe before they had anything out. 
Yeah. Like, because they were actually like one of the bands that was on Lost and Found and not being bootlegged. So like, yeah. so like this in my time seven inch. I think that the where they talk it probably got released by one of the guys in the band because it's like uh, it's one of those little the one with the towns. match on the cover, or is that the first one? That is that's in my time. Yeah. Okay. Because it one hundred percent makes sense why, and you brought it up like the level of professionalism that you're seeing when you're seeing them come back from Europe. Because when they're going over there, especially with a lot of like the your top hardcore bands that hit Europe, I mean, they might as well be like, it's like a, watching like a regional radio rock act. Like they're in buses, there's a production, there's a crew behind it. And they went over there, you know, as this like, oh yeah, we're just like this Orange County hardcore band, right? And then you're going over there and like, oh shit, look at the clubs we're playing. Like, oh, there's a bunch of people that are here to see us, you know? Oh, okay, hey, we need to like, dial in and sound check oh now we're used to playing now you kind of have to put on an act not necessarily an act but it's like you got to put on a show so before you know it like you're you're just kind of slowly transitioning into that band and then i find it hard like it's it's there are bands that can hit europe a bunch and come back to the states and turn that off and be like all right we're back in the states like there's there's no fucking you're in a band there's no writer. There's no fucking guest list here. I mean, there's a guest list, but it's not like as extravagant. And you're playing fucking soda bar on a weekday. You're able to turn off like you're not playing in front of like <coughs> 2000 plus Europeans. Mm-hmm. So it kind of makes sense where it's like it's instantly going to turn you off if you're like you're jocking the floor punch seven inch that comes out and you go see a night play yeah. and they're like maybe making people do like claps in unison you're probably like what the fuck is this like, yeah it, you know it, their set list i see both isn't written down because they've already done it for 12 weeks across europe Dial you know in, what I mean? baby. but they also play an hour and a half and you're like yeah that doesn't fucking what's like... your last one let's kill the 90s okay so i'm i'm so about debating the between the two this was my debate and i've come to a conclusion i think it was the youth of today disengage mm-hmm. seven inch, or the ramp or so. So <laughs> well, which one are you going? Broken glass or the drummer uh, is sick on that. Um, or sick of it all. We stand alone, and I, we stand alone because it has all four songs. than the three songs on the like disengage itself as a song oh my god absolutely amazing but it you know doesn't hold up across the whole seven inch as much as we stand alone does which it i mean what's going on we stand alone the minor threat cover betray and my revenge world full of hate like and the recording and i don't know i just I'd go with the District 9 7 inch. Well, you did. Or the Bulldog. Well, that's your honorable mention, and that doesn't count. So, what um, did you choose? The Sick of It All, We Stand Alone. Um, the merch <laughs> from that with the, you know, the, the record cover, like, just back then, being around that, like, falling in love with Sick of It All around that time, and then, uh, 
well, basically as, um, you know, the, uh, I'm totally getting tongue tied here. The, basically they were the best live hardcore band around. And then those songs are... I mean, you can make the claim that they, they you play can make that fucking circles today. around most acts. Yeah. Absolutely. Without a doubt. And they don't get, they don't get the respect of, of that for good and bad, right? You know, it's... Uh, you know, some people are like, oh, they're, you know... I don't know... You'd probably be able to tell me about it. Are there younger kids coming up right now that are like checking for sake of it all, or are well, they just like they're nah. they're when they write records now? I mean, it's it's written for the crowds that they play, which is like they're hitting Europe the majority of their year, so they're playing festivals. Like those crowds, like want to jump in unison. They want like the big hooks and they want like the big sing-alongs. Yeah, and. Like, they're not, like, I mean, they're always going to be rooted, you know, in the Lower East Side, the Alleyway crew, like, absolutely one of that, but they're not that band anymore. No, I know so, that. So, yeah, I mean, I know everyone knows that, but, like, so if you're just a younger kid and, you know, you're going and you want to hear, like, clobber in time, you know, you want to hit it, like... You want to do everything that's on like blood, sweat, and no tears, or that you know the first seven is. But you're asking, do people still want to yeah. find that record, right? Well, or does that record yeah, still yeah. resonate with younger kids? Well, it's like it, those it first three. Like, it doesn't like there the, the the early shit does, you know, and but also too, kids are data mining for the most like obscure like yeah. new like if you went to one of those like. Uh, I don't know if like maybe I don't know the name of the fest like Triple B does or you know some of those like more uh, fests they do on that kind of vibe like kids are gonna be like I know every song to the altercation demo you know from like eighty seven yeah. or whatever like Crucial Chaos NYU yeah. demo tape that they found on the internet but it's just like oh do you do you like just look around which I think. It's Even so the song "Just Look good. Around" is mm. is one of the best hardcore songs of all time. They'll be like, I don't fucking care about that. So I I don't know. Like I don't know why there's a like there's a disconnect there. I think it's just because they've been going so long, so long and yeah. and people, it's not special. Yeah. To people, and so the respect isn't given. Were you either of you at the Che show that Sick of It All played? Yeah. No, it was the same weekend as the Sound of Fury, Take and that was that. yeah, yeah, no. I was up to play Sound of Fury, and that was the year that the dude did his cute little motorcycle. motorcycle in the pit. And it's like, so we didn't get to play, and I missed Sick of It All at the Shea. Yeah. <laughs> Fucking so shitty. But it was cool, man. Cool cool laps. Cool laps around the pit. Hey, can I to say they participated in a riot by smashing out the front door windows of uh, some... There was no riot of that Sound of Fury. No, absolutely not. That was like... <laughs> No, I, I hear it written as, like, a riot. And it's just like, dude, this isn't, like, seeing, like, Black Flag and, like... Yeah, it wasn't even like close to that. Yeah, There's like, no army of police I don't even. Outside. I don't even remember anything happening. Yo, and, and I know the dude who rode the bike into the spot. Boo. You know? And, like... Yeah. Cool, dude. Yeah, I mean, like, whatever. So cool. I mean, I... I what, if you're... Look, like, now, like, when I look at it, 
I look at shit like that as it's like, God damn it, like, why would you do this? Like, of course, like, adult security who, like, huge shocker here, don't know anything about hardcore. That's, like, a big gripe I have is, like, hardcore kids, like, expecting the outside world to know the fucking ins and outs of this scene. Like, if you're an average Joe, you're like, oh, this is a fucking dude yelling in a microphone and people are hitting each other. I don't know what the fuck I'm watching. So it's like, yeah, when they see, like, a dude rolling on the motor... You know what? Fuck this. I'm not talking about the Sound of Fury yeah. motorcycle incident. I refuse to do this. I'm just pissed because I missed fucking seeing it all the yeah. Che Cafe. Yeah. That was fucking garbage. That was my weekend. What were you guys' honorable mentions beside Bulldoze? I went through all mine, I think. So I've nitpicked my 90s decades for seven What are your honorables? Well, the one that didn't get on uh, because of LP, you know, being a better product was uh, the Count Me Out, What We Built, 7-inch. Like, that band to me is very important, very amazing. Um, Bane, surprisingly, have three 7-inches in the 90s that are all good. Yes. But if they put, you know, certain songs together, they would be, like, yes. untouchable 7-inches. No, I'm, I'm surprised you didn't have one. Um and honestly, I'm not the biggest Bane fan, but if you want to talk about the importance of bands, they're kind of like another game changer how I talked about Hatebreed was like, before Hatebreed, not a mosh part in every song. After Hatebreed, mosh part in every song. I think Bane was like the gateway to that octave core shit. Like of all the bands having like octaves in all their songs and like really kicking down the door to, I don't know, just a, a genre that I don't care for that much of... Of like, oh, every part is every fast part is melodic. Are we talking about sincere core? I don't know what you call anything. Well, build but up, like build up to epic. Yeah, it's like everything is like it's melodic on the fast verse, and Amazing then it's like now we're heavy core? on the breakdown. I don't know what you call it. Well, I just don't like it. Well, think about like modern life is war wouldn't exist without pain. Yeah, uh, have heart wouldn't exist without pain. Um. <laughs> I mean, I'm. I like Bane, not necessarily the other two per se. Like, um, no, but they're. I mean, they're, they're, both, I mean? Like the, they're both universally recognized as great hardcore bands. Like Superhero, it that song is absolutely like unbelievable. Like, it's a very clever take on why it's it's thought behind. Straight edge. It's like saying, "Well, it's an approachable straight. It's an but approachable it, straight edge song." Yeah, and it's very poetic at the same time, and and all of this stuff. So, um, there's a re there's a reason that you know, if if I liked the other songs on that seven inch more, um, it would be on this list, but it's not. That song's almost good enough though to like get it on the list. And, yeah, and the count me out song too. Yeah, exactly. If I've, you put I've those two on the same, Bane holding this moment because the count count me out is just. I mean, the line when you sit around and talk shit about everything you once base your whole life on. Yeah, that's when you can count me out. Like fuck yeah, fuck. that's a, it's amazing. Great lyrics, and it's just the way to state it in such a relatable way that everyone gets it, and it's yes. like and, it and not a and not a too. And, like yeah, and not I a pretentious way. Yeah. He's not put it out there like a better than you or oh, anything. And it's just yeah, his the way that he delivered lyrics on those records is he's definitely a poet. Yeah. And um yeah, so that that's another one. And then 
going in a different direction, I really loved like the bands like Anasarka and Fingerprint, like the really, really, the true essence of the word screamo, not like what it's become or what alternative press <laughs> makes it look like, but those real raw, like crazy, pretty, but hard screamy <coughs> records and swing kids also. Those would all be honorable mentions because it's a, a different path, but it they don't make it to my top five. You're not punk enough for swing kids, boy. I know. <laughs> In so, contrast of sin. Yeah, we we were just talking as Zach was blowing his brains right out his fucking mouth. We were talking about a 90s honorable mention that we all agree is integrity and contrast of sin, but... Here's the thing, the ten inch comes along. It's a very different band and a very well. It's the same band, but it's a very different sound. And you know, humanity is the devil is is the high point in my opinion. But in contrast of sin, that seven inches. But in contrast of sin is before the first LP, isn't it? It's yeah. So for yeah. those who fear tomorrow comes next, yeah. and that smashes on the seven. Oh inch. yeah. Yes, but, but yeah, I will agree. Humanity in the Devil is the is the high point. The high point is Rise, the first song on the on the Grave Victory album on Seasons. Oh, I thought you were a big Integ two K. On your big Integ two K mushroom head. I think I got it sent to me in the mail because I was doing my fanzine Always Try, and I got like all those Victory records, and that was that was a. Bad era for victory, like '99. Yeah, that was terrible. Shout out to Mushroom Head for just getting robbed by the knot. (laughs) The knot's pretty sick. (laughs) Okay, so let's do 2000, 2009, and let's fly. Um, Fly. I will go, and we'll just do all mine first. I'm going striking distance. The self-titled seven-inch. That's 2000 on Vicious Circle Records. This is partially sentimental to me because when we did our 2001 tour um, in control, we didn't get to play a lot of good shows, and we got to play with Striking Distance in like a basement somewhere like in the D.C. suburbs, and it was like I was just looking forward to it because I really love the seven inch, and like I don't I remember feeling like when the seven inch came out, it had hype that it was like. Oh, they sound like straight ahead, and I don't, I don't think people talk about it like that anymore. But it was just like fast and catchy, and went for it and raw. It's raw, but it's like not like a fast. The, the type thing that band. you heard about the record as it, you know, as it was hitting our collections over here and stuff was before you even saw them. Is like Dave Bird is a maniac. <laughs> Live, you know, like yeah, he's Dave got a, a maniac, and 
he because they're coming out of like but he's the, it's like the post no justice life's halt world too where it's yes. like totally. life's halt no justice are gone and who's the next wild man it's fucking well, Dave but Byrne. also not pretentious not thought up not a lie he grew up watching people f- throw themselves through walls while singing and feels that way to get all of that out he lives it completely shout out to Dave Bird best person who will do anything for you and also just the danger we're talking about looking at John Brennan and just watching someone like real authentic living it Dave Bird is the same way you can watch him and just be like man grown ass man there's some yeah grown ass man some demons in there and he's really letting them out shout out to my ginger brothers <laughs> uh, number two, striking distance. The fuse is lit. This is 2002. Awesome artwork. Yeah, and it's just a grown-ass sounding record. Like, his voice is super burly now. And, like, the LP is sick, but the LP is a t- just a notch slow. And a, and a so little it, bit too long. Yeah. They're, they're a great 7-inch band. Yeah, and well, the LP has, has big moments, but it's surrounded by two 7-inches that are ridiculous. And Mike and Eddie can really play, too. Like they're really good. He pushed the boundaries of like taking a a simple formula, which is hardcore. One would think, and then like we were talking about, like the burns. Although they don't sound anything like burn, obviously, they're just like pushing these little boundaries. There's a little nuance in a straightforward songs. Yeah, it's just it's really thought out. Well, what was great is when we would play with them, which was pretty often when they were on this coast, as as well as when we would play with them on that coast. We used to cover Faith, and they covered Void, and it it shows that they're a Void side On band side, yeah. <laughs> for sure. Yeah. And the other thing that I I didn't realize when I was looking at these two seven inches uh, next to each other, and the LP sandwiched in between is like their timestamp is very short. The seven inches two thousand. The second seven inches two thousand two. I feel like it's just the like LP was in between, right? Yeah, yeah. And that's insane to me because like. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like that those two seven inches were like years and years apart, but it just goes to show that like... How much you played them. Well, when you're a, yes, and also like when you're 20 to 22 years old, which I would have been, just that time moves slower. Yeah. Like now it's like, you know, two years go by in the blink of an eye and like back then it's like, you're just like, I don't know, especially if you're touring, you're getting so much out of like your year... You know, you're not like, oh, I can't wait for this week to be over. You're like living every minute. So like time goes a little slower. But, uh, but also this is the time of the internet being applicable to hardcore. So this is the time where if you're doing well as a band, people are hearing about you more and label people are asking you, hey, let me do a record for you. Let me do a record for Definitely you all the time. Definitely not streamlined, but it's like getting there. Yeah. It's just a thing where, like, if you're a band that can write a bunch of songs, this is 
an era road. where a lot of people yeah. are willing to put stuff out for you. Whereas yeah. in the past, it would be much harder. Yeah. Yeah. Um, number three on mine is The Modern Life is War for 7-inch. self-titled they put it out themselves um and again just an amazing band um we ran into them like in their infancy they brought us out and booked us in marshalltown iowa and we were good friends with them ever since and they were a band that came out of nowhere with no like there was nothing given to them everything they got they got themselves and you know from making friends to just putting out really passionate heartfelt music and this seven inch is a total ripper the the records go a little more in like the more emotional and build up and a little slower and this is just like them at their rawest like destination death or death or better days like jesus fucking christ the song's a fucking ripper even with like the little like uh they're doing the thing with like the fucking the pickup switch, like going like dee 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 dee, it's like a the unbroken thing. Well, yeah, kind of. But I was thinking more of like a throwback to like it sounds like an adolescence part. You know, it's like them like just being really punk. I bet you they probably knew it more because of unbroken though. They, yeah, you're probably right. The okay. toggle, toggle switch trick. Yeah, that that, that toggle switch. Um, number four and two. They, I mean, they, they yeah, they were a toggler. <laughs> toggle heavy they, they toggled <laughs> what year was the first a and you have it on your list yeah. what do you know what year 2000 okay um this modern life is worse 2002 so quite possibly right um number four suicide file Self-titled 7-inch. It's on my honorable mentions. The only reason I don't think it quite got into my top five is just the recording of the LPs just sound so much better than the recording of the 7-inch. And although that song, The Psalm, on the on the 7-inch, it is unbelievably great songwriting. It's unbelievable. I love this band's entire journey. Yeah. Um, no fall off. Everything as good as the last. And very good people. Yes. And also just a, a type of genre that like I don't I don't like another band that sounds like the suicide file. You, know, you can't get your hands around what that genre is. Do yeah. you know what I mean? Like try and really describe what that is. It's it's really hard. Yeah, even though like when you listen to it it's like all it's kinds a, of strange. It's mid tempo straightforward music, but you're right, it's something different. Yeah. Anyway, love it. Um, <laughs> I yeah. feel like we're not doing the 2000s justice with your speed. Well, speed we can round. take as much time as you guys no, want no, on <laughs> No, go for it. There was debate that this is starting to drag. 
That's just like your opinion. Thank you for sticking there. around. Okay, and uh, number five is the Kill Your Idol Something Started Here five seven inch box set. <laughs> this is such a fucking bullshit. <laughs> that is such a bullshit. I think, I think it's a bold, a bold move to put a box box set. These are five of the best seven inches of the, the 2000s. This should be no. your only pick. They got, dude, honestly, this is good enough to be an only pick, but I put the other stuff on there. This has got so many good Clear Idol songs. It's ridiculous. And like this record is, I don't know, it's not, it's not going for that much online, so everyone should fucking get it. It's like, it's the whole like span of the career, kind of, kind of the early stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, it's got all the big they hits. They always put on a great show. They always played a little too long. Yeah, but they were like a legit headliner, and they and they loved what they did. And so, yeah, so and they're I great wanna, people. I was uh, in the interview I did with John Carrar, who was the singer on Missing Twenty Third. I don't know how familiar you guys were with those guys. Yeah, um, I asked him. I was like, they played the No Reply last show with okay with both of us. Sure. So they toured a lot. And I, I asked him, when you did this band, like, did you have a purpose for, like, wanting to go out so much? And different bands have different purposes. Like, In Control was legitimately to put Nard on the map. And, like, you know, other people go out because it's fun or they want to make money or they don't want to work a real job or whatever. And all these reasons are legitimate, I think. Like, I don't give a fuck why you want to do it. However, For whatever reason you want to do it, it's fine. And John's answer to me was, this is my favorite thing to do. There's nothing that I like more than play music. And I can't do that every night in my hometown because people are going to get burnt the fuck out on seeing my band. I can't play here seven nights a week. I can't give them any shows. So I have to tour. And I feel like that was Kill Your Idols. Without that's why they toured all the time. And that's why they played. They didn't. They weren't a band like trying to get like the hype of... We're going to come out there and play eight songs and leave the kids wanting more. Because they were, like, playing every fucking butthole in America and giving them that set every night. Like, they're going out and they're giving you their set. So, like, it wasn't necessarily, like... It's, it's, a, it's a hard balance, right, when you're in a band of, like, how much am I doing this for myself and how much am I doing this for the kids that paid at the door? Um, you know, and I think that, like, they wanted to play a lot of songs. That would make sense because I forgot his name, but I think he's playing in Sheer Terror, right? He's playing guitar for whatever current the guitarist Sheer, did. Sheer Terror. Yes, Paul. Paul. Yeah, Paul. and and that makes sense because it's like Sheer Terror is on that same vibe of like we are going oh, to they, every butthole and we're going to play our like long ass. Set this band, just, you know, really. That's the yeah. That's, that's the, the, the blackout the, records yeah, world. That whole they carried terror, that yeah, part of New York on completely. But they, I mean, they would be on a tour with Face to Face, and then next thing they'd be on a tour with Like a Sheer Terror, and then next thing they'd be with Melancholin or something, you know? They just were one of those bands that booking agents knew, yeah, we can throw these guys on that, and they'll go. Yeah, (laughs) I I love that band so much, and, like, 
that's like one of my bigger like punk rock hardcore regrets is like not staying in touch with those guys. Well, I would because say all they're of them, very Oxnard esque from another part of the country. Yeah, I love them like personal level, musical level, everything. So they get five fucking records for the two thousands. Cool. It's all part of a box set. All right, moving on. Daniel. Are we just doing all of our fives now? Do your okay. five and we can chat about them. Okay. So I've got a three-way tie coming in at number five. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, the No Warning 7-inch. Yes. Cold World Ice Grills. Okay. And the No Reply Life's Halt Split. Okay. Uh, um, what side of the... Who wins the No Reply Life's Halt Split? No Reply. Agreed. But as a band, Life's Halt. Uh, not to me. But, I mean, why? give me Dave Weinberg, I'm happy. It, like, but then, you know, John is so rad and, you know, you get Felix with both. <laughs> but with, Weinberg's just on stage is amazing and it comes through on the records. Mm-hmm. Um, how funny he was um, and is. I think the Cherry Coke song is the only song that didn't make it off the demo onto vinyl. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because and for obvious reasons, um, the no warning seven inch, like, oh, actually, I've got to add one more to this. <laughs> is the terror the terror push it away, seven inch too? Is that just a two the two song two song seven inch? Yeah, because is it, that radio takeover or was it? It's on takeover Wait, records. Yeah, um, the terror and the no warning. It's obviously the. Uh oh, this yeah, is so what's coming down the pipe, you know. But yeah. well, I fucking love it. Yeah. I mean, if we want to talk about seven inches getting crushed by the LP, obviously, Ill Blood destroys the seven inch. But the seven inch, well, in the terror, those the songs are on the record on the lowest of the low, yeah. yeah. Um, so that was a you know, I I really love all those records. But coming in at number four, carry on, roll with the punches. Absolutely love this seven inch. Um, the songs on it are fantastic. The shows around the time were really, really great. Um, this is before the LP and the hype really started. These songs are so good, you know. Um, and I think it's the, even though people jock the LP so much more, I think this is the high point of them functioning as a band. They were really good live. Um, depending which day you caught Todd on, <laughs> could be the you know the most fun loving guy or the most just angriest person in America. Um, but it channels through the songs really well, the fun loving and the anger together. Um, and I just think it's a perfect seven inch. I think the artwork is fantastic. Um, by Brian at Spotlight Tattoo. Brian Burke. Yep. And uh, moving on, in control, the Nard Curse. Um, 
Next. It seriously Give it to him. is an amazing 7-inch. And it's one of the bands that really absolutely um, the heart comes through in the songs more than anything. Um, and it's also, you know, you said it, it was important for you to put Oxnard on the map. I mean, it's imprinted in every single song on the 7-inch. And it it makes you unify with Oxnard. And it made San Diego and Oxnard so fucking tight. Like, unbelievably, it was a weird kinship there that we skipped Orange County and L.A. And just, it was the two outlying it, towns. It, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. It and, definitely does. And just the, the fact that, you know, when you're talking about the best DNA of a hardcore song, the In Control songs are perfect ring out fast then you know kind of mid-tempo into super fast into a fucking killer breakdown it the formula is pretty damn perfect yeah, you're also just going for it too throwing yeah. in something that someone would be like you can't put in a little hook here or, or well i i remember back. always being up front yeah. and you know i invariably would you be wearing a baseball hat too. And every time, hats off to the jockers and the haters. I'd always take my hat off and make sure Ryan gave me the mic on that part. Um, and the great thing is, like, Ryan's vocals Crazy. Are, are manic over such controlled, great music. And it wor- it rides it rides the flow so well. So absolutely love that 7-inch. Then next, uh, The Promise, My True Love. Speaking of Syracuse uh, coming back hard. And Shout out to Busky. So yeah. is this the demo and as a 7-inch release? Yeah. I don't know if it was re-recorded or mm-hmm. not. Um, I'm not sure about that, so that's why it, it's definitely in there. But, I mean, another another strike in the face for me of like, oh my God, I'm fucking psyched to be straight edge. <laughs> because it's talking about it in a way that gets down to the core without it being, you know, my true love. Yeah, it, you're also fast, but... A lot of cool layers of stuff going on. Very, a lot of good mix. Very Dude, when post they, burn. Yeah. When post they, burn. I don't know if it's on this record or not, but when they do that chromatic scale breakdown. Oh, da, 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 da. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh my God, like, how did I not think of that? Hey, at the end of this podcast, you need to just like cut out every single mouth riff that we have <laughs> done. Do a like, mega mix. Yeah. Oh, you think I edit this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, then, if, let's bounce up that Patreon and I'll fucking edit this. Yeah. But also, the, the way the problem stuff looked was you know very almost like medieval emblazoned exes riding into battle you know with 
Eagles, and, and that's, I that's don't know. Totally Busky's yeah. style oh, of, of design, without a doubt. Yeah, I mean, it is fantastic, and that and that record, I put it on in the build up to this, and Jesus Christ, that really holds up. And then uh, number one, American Nightmare, self-titled, seven inch. Absolute game changer. Absolute amazing collection of songs. There's a lot of people that will like the second AN seven inch more because it's a bit faster, a bit rawer. Um, and it's also while they were pretty much the biggest band in hardcore was when that second seven inch came out. But the first one, the way it it opens in the middle, it's got the the thing that goes over it to hold it, uh, you know, the two pieces together. Everything about it is just so well done and those lyrics i mean this day and age when there's in a post west in hardcore world where many many people have tried writing those i don't know suicide note lyrics mm-hmm. there was nothing like it before though there was really nothing that really captured that poetry and the desperation and um I mean, that seven inch. And then, of course, you've got Stand Hard and him, like, dueling vocals on the last song, which really gives it its own, um, you know, Right Brigade and American Nightmare together, kind of kind of kings of that era at that time. But I, I really think, because, you know, you think back to, like, background music being, oh, does that come along and crush the seven inches? I don't think so. It's a very different... Def- it's an evolving beast at that time so that that era of the 2007 inch is its kind of own era and the way that Tim Baum was writing songs coming out of 10 yard fights writing these very open gate like yeah. like crazy ring out like does anyone think that the LP crushes the 7 inches oh I, th- I think a lot of people do I mean the LP's got the like Tell the boys, I'll see them soon. You know, all I, those like the LP, crazy The LP is my breaks. favorite. But but I think it, mostly the LP is my favorite for a reason that, if anything, people don't like the LP as much. I love that his fucking vocals are like 11 on like the ah, like level. Like for something to be that extreme sounding and then to hit that level of popularity is fucking awesome because... I would say that, that would be the only knock on a lot of that late '90s like comeback straight edge stuff is the vocals got so safe, like there wasn't like yelling and shouting. It was just like kind of everything was like well, they, they didn't they didn't want to be metal, so well, they were they were being very controlled in the vocals, like. But well, Porter's voice is very high pitched against the thing. That's so why it was cool, is because he sounded a little different. Cause he he had like a high voice. He cut through. But a lot of those voices were just like they kind of. A lot of the people they kind of seemed like they were the friend of the band, and like the talent. Where in the eighties, it was like the singer is one of the most skilled guys in the band. Yeah, and then it, it was just it was really neat that and I, I was never a huge Ann fan, but I just love that. Well, they like. 
he, he he it's like it goes so hard on the LP like without his voice. Well that that's what I'm, I'm talking about the desperation that is in the lyrics if you read the lyrics that there's a lot of des like absolute desperation I don't know what to do with my life I don't even know if I want to live type shit. It's reflected so well in the vocals of like this is my fucking I'm pouring Every single thing out. Yeah, it's like how do you not blow your fucking voice out? Yeah, and I mean, I mean we toured with them yeah. two or two or three times, and yeah, his voice would get blown out like crazy because I like, love he's just that sound. Of, that, you know? I love that sound of his voice on the LP, but the seven inches are very good too. Yeah. I don't know why it didn't resonate with me at the time because you were anti hype at the time. Too cool. No, not too cool. You were. <laughs> never, never you were like enough, no it, it was more like why why does everyone like this i'm looking for something different i i mean you and i would talk all the time around that time and you know you would roll your eyes at a lot of stuff back then and i and i would too you know but I, I mean, I was pretty posy. I was pretty like, I love everything. I think it kind of be like your local band in the area, and you're fucking putting it out there for your for your scene, right? Like you're the you're hoisting the flag, you're charging, you're doing it, you're putting it on the map, and it's like it's kind of a hard pill to swallow because it's like you're playing your own area and you have your diehard scene that fucks with you, right? And then you know, hype regional band comes through, and it's like. 300 kids out of nowhere and yeah. you're like wait most of these are from my hometown it's like where the fuck are you at and at like other shows and not just your own band shows but it's like wh- like how can you just come in for like hey this is what you're supposed to like and right lose now, your shit and lose your fucking shit yeah. and you know where these venues are and then you're just like yeah but i don't give a fuck about my like local scene and when you're a part of a local scene and you're just like giving it your all and you're putting on shows and you're like you and your friends have bands but you're supporting each other and like you're in it and you're doing it and then it's just like well fuck how come like Where's the rest of like my town? So it's it's a fucking it's a hard pill to swallow. Well, I think we doing, doing that. Yeah, I know? think we always felt that about in control. It's like here's a band. Well, this is oh, this yeah. is going in a silly. Everything. This is going in a silly direction. Yeah. No, because, you're just embarrassed about talking about it. But no, 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 no. It, because it was that what the okay. No, I mean me. Someone giving you props. You you're like Ugh, no, 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 no. But I the I. Me liking American Nightmare or not would not be affected by like them being popular, like coming through. Oh, I'm not saying that. I'm saying my like of liking certain bands and, and tapping into exactly what Greg's saying, seeing certain bands come through and get these insane reactions, but then go, yeah, but fucking in control should like, get this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just but I, the same. Okay, but, but see, here's the thing. I think... American Nightmare is a band that I've always been able to pull myself back from and say, like, there is something to that band. What's right? that down? Like a, like a Bane, right? It's another one. People. And you know, the other, the other one, it's, it's a weird, this is another weird one. It's kind of like an Ignite kind of now is, do you remember how huge Death by Stereo was? Yeah. Like, in the first run? And, like, they would play and people would be, like, going nuts. And they were, like... People would claim they're the greatest band and this and that, and 
and they were kind of like that for me in that I didn't, it didn't resonate with me. I didn't really understand it, but I could look at it and be like, dude, they're a pretty fucking great band. Like they're doing something really interesting. Yeah. And they're good. And they're really good musicians. Oh, yes. Yeah. And like, Beautiful but. Full guitar players. Yeah. And I, I think that's, I would lump like the Ann and the Bane and, and them in like that. It, I would, the Ann and the Bane, and when they came to the West Coast, you know, it's burgeoning internet. There's a lot of hype. There's also a lot of mystery still, you know, especially for mm-hmm. Ann that, you know, and then the lyrics are very like that. And it just was, everything was hitting at the right time. Their reference points, like, I mean, they were all decked out, Chromex, Age of Quarrel, blah, 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 but they sounded like they sounded. And it just, it was hitting on everything and all at the right time. And and it was for real. Like, you watched Wes perform and it, it was yeah. fucking for no, every real. Time like, I saw them, every time I saw them, they were great, yeah. you know? And fucking brilliant idea with, like, that loop thing they did, like, during yeah. the tuning and shit, exactly. so they didn't have to talk. Yeah. Like, how did it take fucking... Yeah, with 30, 20 plus years. Yeah, yeah, 20 years of hardcore before someone came up with that like idea. That loop pedal yeah. Oh, yeah. It was like, fucking A. And that's why I'm saying the toggle, because they would have that loop yeah. going and then cut, cut into right. it, and then boom, straight into another song. Like, yeah, really, really good. All right, Greg. Okay, so you guys pretty much covered the early aughts. Yes. A lot of it. So I'm coming in kind of right after this stuff is ending. But I got some residual left over, and this is on some Chula Vista shit, but uh, piece by piece written in blood. Obviously, uh, there's a song "Place That Hurts," which I think is one of like one of my top hardcore songs ever, and that thing is just dripping, which is like, yeah, it's just back to that whole like going back to like fast, like just. Is this the first seven inch? I think it's the second one. Second one. Yeah, and then the one with the screwdriver. No, that's the first one. That's the we've lost it all. No, the first seven inch is. No, or the we've lost it all. It's is the, the white comp. one. Yeah. Well, with, anyway. the, with the maroon, yeah. So then, which this ties into another thing was is internal affairs casualty of the core. And that's. Mostly because you got a straight edge band playing like hard, fast, fuck, and it's scary. It's not posy. Like Corey is like you're going up to sing along, you're getting punched in the mic. So if you're just like an angry straight edge kid, like this is fucking it. And it's like they could like hold their own against like all these other scary bands. I even feel like they scared a lot of like straight edge kids too. Like just something Back to that super And they have the most posse dudes in the band yeah. other than Corey, which is weird, you know? <laughs> no. They got Andy and, and Dennis. I also like on that 7-inch, like, it fucking sounds like the recording is clipping. <laughs> like, it's just 
just adds to the just like the blaring just like assault of it. Dennis so. is playing in that uh the one with Andy Strife, the Burt yeah. Hall City now. Yeah. That's cool. So then uh And eight clip too. <clears throat> and eight clip and now Ito as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's a fucking band, it's, dude. It's a friend stragranza. Yeah. And then uh for my third, it's gonna be eighty six mentality with going nowhere fast. Ooh, good one. I like I like that band a lot. In my jaded period, that's a band that I was like, yeah, oh, yeah. yes. They yeah. come out, and I mean, like, S7 is just the fucking soundtrack to a riot. Like, mm. it's got your sing-alongs, just like... Just and what a everything. great band name. Perfect name. Yes. Perfect, just like, this hard DC shit coming, coming through. And then also the effect and, like, legacy of that band now, which, holy shit, that... Ben pretty much like you know I might catch flack for that like totally influenced that whole new wave of British hardcore like definitely '86 and a lot of and some of the Boston bands too like the newer Boston bands like totally brought like the UK to start making that type of hardcore because I remember when we first hit the UK in like 2011 like that type of hardcore was fucking not being played over there so. Yeah. So I would say just I can't find a fucking flaw on that thing. That thing is just another ripper from start to finish. That's a that's a great one. Yeah, very very influential, still holds up and kids are still losing their shit to it and it's influencing bands all the time. Uh and then what would be number 4? I'm going to go with Downpressor Age of Ignorance. Love it. And that's, you have, like, right around, like, Santa Barbara, Nard area, you know, Retaliate's popping off, Vendetta's popping off, Violation pops off, and Violation quickly kind of becomes, like, this, you know, force to be reckoned with, especially for us. Like, they dropped that demo in 06, and then they do the Possessed 7-inch, which was an honorable mention. I just fucking hate the recording quality on it, so I just can't can't give it that. But then you have Downpressor, which is there, but they're like Brass Monkey. And they're like, don't be a menace before that. And they didn't really have... Yeah, and then I named them Bricklayer. <laughs> and they should have stuck with it. That's a sick-ass name, dude. So, For how hard they sound, yeah, you know? Okay, so I remember like... Well, that's a Rock and Jock softball yeah. name because I watch a lot of MTV. <laughs> Sorry, Chafee. I remember <coughs> playing with them, instantly connecting with them immediately. And then they put out... That 12-inch EP, Perverted Justice, mm-hmm. and that was on a Todd's label, a, mm-hmm. my, a Street Sweeper or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it was just like instantly they just tightened everything up. And it just had like everything. It was fast. It was hard, but it wasn't like dumb hard and dumb heavy. No. Which this it's... is this is kind of a switch around in like the mid-O's because like you get like terror pops off. And then you just get a lot of like gnarly L.A. shit, which is just... You know, like a, my, my comment, it's like new era hats and like tall white tees. Tony Brooks. Yeah, and, and like you're getting smoked. And like I liked all those bands, but it was just like 
oh fuck if I go to these shows like I might like literally get leveled out because kids were getting fucking like smoked at these things like young ass kids were getting like destroyed but it definitely brought that like element of danger like you wanted to like peer above someone's head to like see what you were looking at uh but like you wanted hard stuff but you you also wanted like you wanted it fast like you wanted the lyrics to to be dare i say like a little smarter a little more thought put into it no dan is he's a Dan's a one, great lyricist Dan is like one of my like top lyricists in yeah he can 100%. he sneaks in little things oh, like yeah. like how you were talking about aaron knuckles getting away with some stuff that you think like only he could do dan has like certain things he puts in there as well yeah. like uh God, it was the one hook, and he ends it with like, "Yeah, yeah, whatever." Yeah, and it was like, "What?" You know, like he's that's on the Age of Ignorance, okay, seven inch. So Age of Ignorance, like, there's like a switch in the sound where it gets like definitely more metal edge. I mean, they already had it, but like, I love the production. I love like the kick drum is thick as hell. The like, other thing that's just... unique about that band yeah. is they don't they don't follow a formula of songwriting no. where they don't have. Like there's no chorus. Like it's it's just, it's like just part riffs, part part. Riffs. Yeah, Sean's a and it makes sense because Sean can is a drummer. Yeah, plays guitar, can kind of like write everything too. So uh, there are fours and sick I, boogie boarder too. Yeah, absolutely. I can't say enough about them, and I would say and anyone asks me like what's your what's your Southern California hardcore band like, I gotta say them because I think they're the perfect mix of like fast heavy Central art, California, but thought out lyrics you know it starts at oxnard we're a central california band <laughs> so that's santa barbara definitely santa yeah. barbara county line is central yeah they, they they're the shit and i i just love that seven inch and i'm gonna say my number one is gonna be bitter and mind and chains And the main reason for that too is it's another one of these records that comes out where it's it's hard, it's fast, sing-alongs galore, has all the energy behind it. But Daniel Rosen, sick lyricist, like just kind of like the perfect package. And it definitely made it, it kind of like did like a switch up because I remember you had what you referred to as like octave core, and then mm-hmm. in the early two thousands you had like the explosion of just like melodic straight edge bands. And then like for, for me that was, that was getting boring. That sounded boring. I was like, where's like, where's that speed? Where's that aggression? You know? So it's like, you don't think that seven inch got stepped on by the LP. That's what I was going to say. Oh, um, uh, I, I would say like, like climate of fear is, is dope, but it was I, your first introduction, so it hit hard. It hit hard as fuck. I actually prefer it over Climate of Fear because what smokes Climate of Fear is fucking guilty as charged. And that goes into, you know, the tens. But that's one of my like top ten hardcore records of all time is Bitter Ends Guilty Guilty as Charged. That thing is just like from start to finish, banger certified. But Mind and Chains is just that perfect mix of like stripped down songs are short because climate of fear like i would say some of the songs started to drag a little bit a little long but right there they're just like hitting it like all all cylinders and once again it's like you can go to the show mosh hard like sing along but like you're there wasn't like this like hard ass you know huge 
tough guy ego thing with them. Same thing with Down Presser. Like a lot of these bands are just like kids that are rooted in a lot of good shit want to play hard, you know, but don't also want to be into this ridiculous like beat down shit where it's just like, you know, it's just gratuitous violence and there's there's no point for it other than to like shut down a venue and beat up a child <laughs> in a parking lot and his mom's going to have to pick him up. Which was a lot of <laughs> that the was shit an that, awful lot of what was going it on. It was just a lot of the shit that like we were dealing with too. Like, you know, on the prior podcast, like you guys are talking about like, oh, who did hardcore kids beef with? Maybe other subcultures or, or other not like Nazis or whatever in, in the 90s. Like my generation of hardcore kids is beef with hardcore kids. Like well, when they, yeah, that's, that's all it was. Like, it was just like different styles Oh, we don't, don't, fuck, don't fuck with that style. Or People like, oh, talk those... shit on the internet. Yeah, it was just like a lot of self. Gangs come into hardcore. There was a lot of self. Need more unity songs. Yeah. Write more unity yeah, songs. Yeah, there was a lot That's of like right. self-cannibalization. It never gets fucking old. What's that Instead lyric? Like, it's on the, th- the last record. People say, just another unity song. I say the more, the better. To us, they are wrong. Like, that's fucking ill. Yeah. I'm not condemning those who choose metal riffs or write lyrics that don't make any sense. Instead, we'll stay the same as before. As long as we're together and putting out core. All right, we wrap. That's that's, that's it. And I any honorable like to, mentions? I don't know. I I, I kind of gave a, a listen to things that I thought sounded good, and I was like, oh, this shit does not hold up. What are your honorable mentions? Well, Retali did never put out a seven inch until uh. The what the tens? What do you call them? The tens. I, yeah. The tens. Two thousand fourteen. So, I, I can do my two thousand tens really quick. Retaliate. Self titled seven inch. Two thousand fourteen. I got, I got, I got no problems with that. You know. No, I'm just playing. It was a throwaway. And I might say now that seven inches are not a popular format with my generation because they are way too fucking expensive to press now. Yeah. Uh, so bands are, it's like, it's either digital or the dreaded cassette. But you know what? It is, they're it's just the so perfect, expensive. I, I understand. But it is the perfect way to get, to encapsulate what a, a core band's yeah. offering should be. Absolutely. I don't know, dude. I'm, I hate the format now. I don't like it. What was your... I don't want to, I don't want to flip records and you, I also... I'm kind of down with a higher barrier to entry of like the bands that do records now. It's like, cause it's too easy to record now. It's too easy to put out digital. And it's like, yeah, it's I don't not, know. It's not easy to put out a seven inch. No, I know. So hey, like, let's jump much, straight to 12 inch EP. When you put out your first seven inch, all right, how much did it cost you? What year was it? How much did it cost you? 1996. Okay. And I cannot remember. But under a dollar record. Okay. So how many did you how many did you press? Three hundred. Three hundred. Yeah. Okay. So and that means it was more expensive than pressing the first like five hundred or whatever. The first seven inch I ever pressed was uh, Kusano and I did the Mind Disease records mm-hmm. and and we put out the first Cold Stare seven inch and Which our rules. That's super debatable. Um, I like it. But anyways. <laughs> I'm trying to think of the song. Me and Matt listened to like the one of the songs like six times in a row once. Hell yeah. Crack it up. Um, but we did, we pressed 207 inches, right? Because we were like, oh, we're just making this for like Friends San Diego thing. If we sell 200 of things, like mm. that would be sick. 
And so this was 2007. Mm-hmm. I believe that's when it came out, or it might have been 2008. And that cost us, when it was all said and done, for 207 inches. And I mean, it was, I think it was 600 to make just, just the records themselves. And the labels. And the labels, which we had to get the labels made somewhere else and then send it, do all that shit. And then even when everyone was just like, oh, you just, dude, you just go to Kinko's or whatever and like make these things on cardstock. Like that shit was fucking expensive. It was just all black and white. So all said and done, 207 inches was like a G out the door. And we sold them for like five. So like, yeah, cool. We broke even, which is, that's great that we managed to move 207 inches. But it's like, you can't expect... Do you want 200 uh, Somali Pirate 7 inches? Damn. You can't expect kids to be like, oh, hey, like we're going to fucking plunk down. And that's for 207 inches. I don't even think those 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 pressing plants even do. If they do micro runs, they're going to be way more expensive. Well, that's a that's a really small press. I've never done a press that small because, like, yeah, you used to have to do at least 300 or you're getting raped. Yeah, I'm amazed that we were even able to have them, you know, humor us with 207 inches. Well, if those kids that want to jock looking like you know they're the altercation whatever they better be prepared to jock the format too that's right baby my honorable mentions for this era cold world ice grills or did i include that as my you did my it was like okay. for number five uh hope conspiracy file zero zero three you know that amazing seven inch that came out right on the heels of uh, code blue and uh mental get an oxygen tank all all really good. And I'm sure there's a ton that I'm yeah. missing, but, you know. The legacy of Ice Grills, too, is still still felt to this day. But no one can do it like them. We're, you know. Uh, I'm, I'm not. Cool. I'm not, no. You guys good? Well, I would like to say support the Patreon. <laughs> rate and review. Uh, support 185 miles south. <laughs> yeah, give them. Give Do you them, feel like you've been well represented? Give them a couple of bucks. Yeah, so I didn't get my well represented question. Yeah. <laughs> no, I don't because I think uh, the Gorilla Biscuits seven inch got shit on by you two. I don't know why. No, okay. And then also, I don't think I did a good enough representation of those Earth Crisis seven inches. So I implore the listenership to listen to both of those seven inches and just fucking. Love it. Okay, two things. First off, I think the Earth Crisis thing was the longest single <laughs> segment on here. It got very good representation. I'm Sa- saying okay. I don't think I verbalized it well enough. No, it's sick, and and it's so palatable now. They, uh, you can get that record at, on the Rev in the Rev Distro. Yeah, um, a Rev H- twelve. Yeah, RevHQ.com. It's a yeah double sided twelve inch. One's on each side. <laughs> Jesus. What was the other thing you were saying? Uh, DRI sucks. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. This, no. is a, this is a segue. Wait, wait, wait. It's coming right here. All right, I respect it. Kid vocals. No, you said the Earth Crisis, and oh, and the and the GB. You thought it got shat on, but it I didn't. Was, it, it didn't. I was. It was being your, a bit facetious. It was your facetious. It was your rule. That if the LP smashes a seven inch, it doesn't get chosen, and that was a perfect example of an LP smashing a seven. I inch. think this ties in with toys because GB has made several toys. You work at a toy store; there has not been a Judge action figure made. So, well, they've hit us up. 
And also, this is how I wanted Don to get grumpy, like me getting grumpy on those answers. Yeah. You blew it, dude. Capiche? <laughs> okay, see you guys.